1: Today's episode of Locked on Raptors is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique, limited-edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 881 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, February the 9th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, and you can also find the podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts and your favorite podcast apps, Spotify, Google Play, Apple, whatever it might be, please consider subscribing, rating, reviewing, all that good stuff. It's always very much appreciated when you take the time to uh, give us some support and give us some kind words and help us boost ourselves up the algorithm and all that good stuff. So thanks in advance. All right, on today's show, the Raptors won a game last night, a pretty fun game over the Memphis Grizzlies all things told, and we will dive all into that as the Raptors move to 11 and 13 on the season. They've now are 9 and 5 since they're very very bad no good start to the season, and things are looking up in a lot of ways. And this win in particular was impressive because of the circumstances under which it came. It was uh Pretty dicey there for a while throughout this game. The Raptors' defense was miserable. We'll get into that and how that's kind of tied to the center play in a lot of ways. Um, and we're, we're going to address a whole bunch of things related to the center position in this episode, based on some rumors that dropped yesterday. That'll be in the final segment. But you know, it, it just it was tough going for a while. Jonas Valanciunas was carving up the Raptors just because he's bigger than everybody on the Raptors and was just kind of having his way with Chris Boucher in a rather mean fashion and. Things kind of boiled over late in the third quarter when it's 97-94 or 94-85 or something along those lines. Uh, Nick Nurse gets a second technical. He gets booted from the game after a night of lots of griping with the officials, as is kind of the thing that happens in Raptors games these days. And normally, or what my original plan was for this episode was to come on and have a screed about how the Raptors need to stop being piss babies about the refs in every single game. Because that's not the reason why they're losing games. And you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the fact that Nick Nurse screamed at the refs to the point that he got kicked out was actually the reason why the Raptors won this game, because they go on a 43-19 run to close the game after Nurse gets ejected. Their defense in the fourth quarter was exceptional. I believe they strung together eight consecutive defensive stops right after Jack Armstrong at the broadcast said they've only had uh, like two times in this game where they've had consecutive defensive stops they need a run of defensive defensive stops right now and then they went on one and a comeback happened so that's would love to see it <laughs> and shout out to Jack Armstrong for foretelling what would go on with the raptors in the final portions of this game and I just, you know, we'll save the, the ref griping conversation for later, I guess, until, you know, that that costs them a game because apparently it won them this game because they were inspired when Nick Nurse went to the bench. Of course, uh, this also featured Kyle Lowry leaving in the first quarter, which is never a good thing. Kyle Lowry's quite good, as it turns out, and the Raptors managed to survive on the strength of Fred Van Vliet, Norman Powell, and Pascal Siakam. Uh, poor Norm ends up just one point shy of 30 points, would have put all of those three guys, Siakam, Powell, Van Vliet, over the 30-point mark. I'm not sure if that's ever been done in Raptors history before, three 30-point scores. But still, they carried the lion's share of the offense in this one, which they needed to because there was no Kyle Lowry and because OG and is still out and because the bench right now kind of offers more in terms of defense and sound play than it does in... Sort of quick-fire offense in a lot of ways, especially with Norm being in the starting five. And they did what was necessary, and it was really, really great to see. And the offense continues to be outstanding. They, they're just humming along right now. They're really not finding a ton of resistance, especially now that Pascal Siakam looks the way he does. The Raptors are seventh in offense in the NBA right now per NBA.com, which I I did not expect to be the strength of this team. I think we all kind of had them penciled in somewhere between like 15th and 20th based on the losses of Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka, but the offense is very much not the problem. We'll get to the defense, which is very much the problem in the back part of the show, but I did want to start off with some kind words for Pascal Siakam, who I think really is proving that he's back to what we know and love Pascal Siakam to be, what he was at the start of last season. You know, the three-point shooting hasn't been there this season. That's been the big difference between last year and this year. But he's also worked in some extremely nice playmaking. making gets six more assists in this game to just one turnover. He's really cutting down on the turnovers lately, and that is a really great and important thing to see from his development. He goes 5 of 8 from downtown, 11 of 18 overall from the field. And... You know, I don't know if there's like a power to sort of change your shooting woes with one game, in if confidence is the thing, but if confidence was the thing and was the reason Pascal was missing his threes, which, you know, I can't think of many other reasons why, considering he's been a 36% ish three point shooter for two seasons now you know, maybe this gets him back on track. And if that's the case, you know, we were talking about this with Joe Wolf on in the last episode. He's basically just last year's three-point production away from having the same scoring numbers uh, that he had last year this season. And that also factors in the fact that he's been ridiculous in terms of the playmaking department as well. And when you put it all together... It's like kind of an enhanced version of Pascal Siakam from what we saw at his peak last year, what we've seen recently here. You know, over his last six games, he's been plus 30 points uh, four times. He is back in sort of haranguing people on the defensive end. He was excellent in this game defensively to close, especially with DeAndre Bembry in the closing lineup. Um, I'm just, you know, Siakam, I think you know, this has been a bit of a roller coaster season where it started out really badly. He had a really nice stretch that started right around the time they went over on the West Coast trip. And then he had a bit of a downturn. And more and more, I'm thinking that downturn might have just been tied to the groin injury. And since he returned from the groin injury, He's been incredible. He's been everything you want Pascal Siakam to be. He's been aggressive. He's been hunting his own shot. He's been, you know, not reliant too heavily on the three-point ball. He's been very eager to go and cook dudes in the post. The spin move is at its best right now. And now if he can work in that three-point shooting, that just makes everything the more difficult for defenses who are trying to stop this dude. And with the way the rest of the team is shooting and bombing threes, it's just, it's a really nice environment for the offense. And I'm very, very pleased. You know, I know there was a lot of skepticism. Is Pascal Siakam ever going to get back to what he was and what's the deal? And, you know, I think now when you look at it, a lot of the struggles are kind of explainable from the bubble after a long layoff for him to, you know, just not really finding rhythm down there, speaking on the sort of mental health struggles of being in the bubble and why he just couldn't quite feel the joy, which, hey, fair enough, man. I can't really blame anybody for not feeling the joy in in the Orlando bubble and then from the start of this season, you know, very short in preseason, very short turnaround and, you know, it took him some time. It took him five or six games to get going. Once he did, it was awesome. He was killing it. Gets hurt. OK. Yeah. Understandable turn down, you know downturn in production from there. And then now that he seems to be healthy, he's killing it again. So I'm ready to say Pascal Siakam is back to being Pascal Siakam. I'm ready to say he is all star caliber, all NBA caliber, even if he continues this for a little bit longer. He's a really damn good player, and I'm glad to see the smile on his face as he's banking in cheeky threes after dribbling the ball off a defender's foot and still recovering and pouring it in. It was just a really fun Pascal Siakam evening, even though Fred VanVleet kind of stole the headlines late in the game as he really started to rack up the points. He had 22 points in the second half. Um, I thought Pascal was the main story from this one, and I'm you know it, it kind of illuminates my other takeaway from this game, which is that... This was kind of the example of why the Raptors should be looking to add to their team as opposed to tearing down and some sort of retooling because the pieces here are really good. Pascal Siakam, if he's playing like we know he can and what he's sort of supposed to be, when you pair that with Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, OG Ananobi, Norm Powell playing the way he's playing, this is a really good team. This is a team that can make some noise in the postseason. Whether they can make a finals, I don't know. That's probably a little bit big for your bridges especially with the nets lurking around but uh, you know a conference finals a really noble second round exit all on the table i think with this with this roster minus one position which is the center spot which is what we're going to get into in the next segment and kind of dig into Aaron Baines even Chris Boucher who was fine in this game but not awesome and was really getting bludgeoned by Jonas Valanciunas in this one so we'll get into the center woes and sort of again kind of expand upon that point that this team very much should be adding and not tearing apart we'll get to that in one sec but first I want to tell everybody about betonline.ag, the best place to go for your sports wagering. Sign up for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON. For a 50% welcome bonus, even that you know what that means by now. If you put in $100, bucks, you are going to get an extra 50 bucks on top of that to play around with, which is pretty cool. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action with all of the wonderful options to throw your money down on, whether it is MLB futures, whether it's the nightly NBA NHL action, whether it is Croatian basketball or ahl hockey there's really some obscure things you can bet on and you can have a lot of fun with it so don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit at betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts
0: the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs
1: Alright, so before we dive back into the center woes and other notes from this game, uh, just a heads up that tomorrow's episode I'm going to have Big V on, Vivek, he's going to join me, and we're going to kind of take a look at the Raptors offense and try to determine whether their 113.6 offensive rating or 113.2, the number 7 offense in the league, is real, and whether... We can kind of expect it to maintain at a top 10 pace for the remainder of the season or if we should expect some slippage there. Uh, So that'll be on tomorrow's podcast should be a lot of fun diving into a pleasant surprise for this year's team. Uh, But let's now continue upon what I was saying before the break and kind of dive into the center's situation of it all. So like I said, I think. The game against the Grizzlies is a perfect encapsulation of the argument for why this should be a team that is building and adding at the deadline and not stripping apart and trading away their expiring contracts for you know meager future assets. This is a good team. This is a good team that has... You know, I think seven or eight guys you can go deep and feel pretty good about. I think DeAndre Bembry's rise into being just an excellent glue guy off the bench who can offer a little bit of scoring and ball handling, you know, not you know, incredible scoring or anything like that, but he knows where to be. He'll find his buckets. He's a great cutter. He's been hitting his threes, which who knows how long that'll last, but it's been nice to see. And he's just a smart player who also happens to be a freaking menace defensively and really fits in exactly to how the Raptors want to play defense with their scramble and recover he's so so good at it and he's great at you know picking up passing lanes and running away with 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 balls he's just taken away he had a steal last night where he just ripped it right from Jonas Valanciunas's hands which was very cool he seems to fit in just perfectly alongside the rest of the Raptors maniac defenders and that's awesome and you have Chris Boucher who, you know, oscillates back and forth on the last week's podcast where we power ranked the roster with Yasmin, I was kind of low on Boucher and I think it's not because he's not talented not because he's not one of the six most talented guys in the team I just think it's because his impact is a little bit muted because you know he doesn't quite drive winning in the way you want a center to he doesn't you know get out there and dictate the defense the way a Marcus used to for example he kind of is a liability defensively a lot of times when he's not blocking shots in a really fun and dramatic and you know loud way so there's that but he's still a nice player to have in your rotation as part of your top eight for sure. You know, when OG comes back, you'll have the question of where does Norm go? And I'm leaning more and more towards just start small and and roll with it. Aside from particular matchups, but, and I do think Aaron Baines still offers a lot in the games where he's playing well in the games where he's playing poorly. He's a nightmare and it's just, you know, there's no in between. It seems he's either doing exactly what you need from your low usage center, or he's doing everything you don't need from your low usage center. And so, That's where I think when you look at the roster, there's such a glaring weakness at center. There's just one area of the team where it's like, man, if they could just fix that, things would look pretty good. And, and, you know, this isn't a team that has four or five weak spots. This isn't a team that is uh, an absolute nightmare offensively like we thought they might be. And for all those reasons, I think, again, adding and replacing the center's position with an upgrade is kind of the move here. And we'll get to the Andre Drummond noise in the final segment. But I do want to just sort of comment on the way the center's played in this game to kind of highlight that point. You know, Aaron Baines was spad in this one. He didn't catch a rebound until I think the third quarter. He ended up with six in the game, so good for him, I guess. But he was getting bludgeoned by Jonas. I think he went 27 consecutive minutes of court time between this game and the last one where he didn't grab a rebound, which is remarkable for your center. Uh, <laughs> just old meat fist Baines just punching the ball around as, uh, as, he, as he's wont to do. Um, you know, His offense in this one I thought was fine. I thought his screening was really excellent, and that is such an important part of what he brings and why I think... You know, even if he's in a more muted role, coming off the bench, for example, I still think there's a lot of value from Aaron Baines to be mined here. It's just maybe there's too much reliance on him as your only center, and if the matchup is not good, you're kind of cooked. Because guess what? If a matchup is overpowering Aaron Baines, that same matchup is going to overpower Chris Boucher, and <laughs> we'll get to Boucher in a sec. But yeah, I just with Baines. I still think the flashes of him sort of figuring out the Raptors defense and knowing what to do with the back line and being that sort of verticality offering last line of protection. I think he's the only guy in the team outside of OG who can really do that. And you have to have him out there for, for those reasons, I think, in a lot of cases. Last night, maybe you could have gotten away with trying to put the, Mem- the Memphis Grizzlies on their heels and maybe playing smaller and, and forcing them to kind of reckon with the, the slow immobility of Jonas Valanciunas. You know, Chris Boucher couldn't quite do that. Maybe if you went Siakam at the five and kind of went wing heavy with your two guards, maybe that would do it, like a Siakam, Bembry, Powell, Van Vliet. Lowry set up maybe that's too small maybe you get cooked on the boards but you know it just there was no one that they had to throw at Valanchunas. Shout out to Valanchunas by the way really fun to see him of a 27 and 20 against the Raptors. Give him a championship ring please uh, <laughs> and you won't have to do revenge games anymore. He deserves a ring three years later two years later whatever the hell it is but anyway I just think though if you look at the way the team is built if you can find a way to piece together some of those salaries at the bottom of the roster and pull in an Aaron Baines Oh, sorry, pulling an Aaron Baines replacement and an upgrade. It just feels like it'll change the game for this team, man. It really does. And look, again, I don't know if they'd be favorites to make it to a conference finals or whatever, You know, give the Nets or the Bucks any trouble. But if they can get a reliable center who can do the things that a center needs to do in the Raptors' defensive setup... I think they can see their defense climb. I think they're number nineteen in the league right now. After last night, it's not good. They're like just they've had too many long spells of not being able to string together stops. And you saw the value and what the Raptors can do with defensive stops during their 43-19 finish to the game last night. Like it's pretty clear this team knows how to run off of steals and misses and uh, and deflections and all of that. Even when you have Terrence Davis running into dudes and picking up offensive fouls on fast breaks when the adults are playing and the adults have the ball on the run, things are pretty good, whether it's Siakam or Powell or Lowry or Van Vliet. So to me, there's just so much potential value in an upgrade, even a marginal upgrade over Aaron Baines, just to give the Raptors another look that I just that's what I want to see. This is not a team that should be looking to deal its best player in Kyle Lowry or anything that Bleacher Report wants to tell you. Um, and when it comes to Boucher, you know, I know people will sometimes throw out, oh, he should start. We talked about this with Joe on the last podcast. Why I don't think him starting is necessarily the answer just because he doesn't, you know, there's a too much kind of emphasis on his offense when he's in the game. And he's kind of, I think, perfect in sort of that like Montrez Harrell role where maybe there's some limitations as to what they can offer. But in the regular season, if you can have that dude just score for you off the bench, it's so, so valuable just to get those minutes where you're not having those offensive droughts. That's where Boucher's value lies. You know, He's still not to meet a center in, the, in a perfect scenario. To me, he's a he's a backup to Pascal in, in, you know, kind of the ideal world. But, you know, if you have to play him at center, you're kind of sacrificing some, some things, right? He's just not very good in pick and roll coverage. He's not super aware. He's kind of always out of position. And the lack of positioning is so important in kind of the reason why things come unhinged when he's out there, because the Raptors are so built on having an aware and in place center at the back end and Boucher just doesn't really offer that so again that you know There are the pieces here of a really good team and the the numbers suggest that this is a good team right now I made the sort of comparison last night This team feels kind of like the 2015 Toronto Blue Jays in sort of that team had a far better Pythagorean record than their actual record when they made all their big deadline acquisitions around the 100 game mark. Um, You know, they were still kind of moseying along under 500 deep into the season and it took some outside additions at some places where they were particularly weak like shortstop and their starting rotation to really turn them around. And this Raptors team feels very similar, like there's a good team very clearly lying in here, they're a positive point differential team, they're number 10 in net rating in the NBA, they can't string together wins, and I think the reason that they can't string together wins is that they can't string together enough defensive stops, and I think the reason for that is the lack of a reliable back end Room protector, defender, and just sort of all-around dude you can trust on offense as well in a center. You just Baines is if he was offering, you know, 40% three-point shooting while not being great at defense, then maybe that's a different conversation. But he's not doing that. He's not shooting. He has the super awkward dumb three-point stroke and he's missing his little floaters and bunnies around the rim that he was hitting earlier in the season in addition to him being sort of very hit and miss on the defensive end, where some games it can look great, some games it can look miserable, as it did against the Memphis Grizzlies. And really, the Raptors were saved in this one by the fact that Jonas Valanciunas is kind of coming back from COVID protocols and is working his way back up to conditioning and didn't get to play you know, the full complement of minutes he typically would. Had he, things might have gotten far more hairy at the end of this game because he was just crushing Chris Boucher, crushing the offensive glass, Pretty much unguardable. He was going to the line a ton. I think he went to the line double digits in this game. And that's where you see that glaring lack of center play. And, again, find an upgrade, man. We're going to probably dive into more upgrades. We talked about Andre Drummond last week. We'll get more into Drummond in the final segment based on the rumors that came out recently. Um, but, you know, it's just, to me, that's the, the, the limiting factor on this team is their center play and everything else to me suggests this is a very, very good team lying in wait that is just one piece away from kind of really taking off and rattling off a bunch of wins. On that note, let's uh, now pivot our attention to the noise in the trade market uh, you know, there's some talk yesterday about Kyle Lowry from Bleacher Report. We'll slowly or quickly address that and then probably throw it in the trash. And then there's an interesting bit of new noise out of Kevin O'Connor about Andre Drummond and the Toronto Raptors. So we'll dive into that, what it all means. We'll dive into rumor literacy as well, if, that necess- <laughs> if that's a necessary lecture right now. Uh, we'll get to that in the final segment. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at rockauto.com, the best place for you to go and save money when you need car parts. Mechanics are always gonna try to pay or get you to pay the premium for whatever part you need for your car, but RockAuto.com does not operate like that. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything you need from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need. And a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, the prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the exact same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers so why would you spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us bucks to know that we sent you as well amazing selection reliably low prices all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com
0: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right, just a heads up, before we finish off this conversation, I want to direct your attention to a special episode of a podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network today. Uh, Go to Locked On Presents on your favorite podcast provider, and in the feed you will find a part one of a series of Black History Month specials we're doing at Locked On all month long, covering the successes and struggles and importance of black people in sports and it's uh, it's really great. And the first part is out today featuring Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball and Candice Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels talking about their experiences as black women in sports media. It's really, really important and interesting and uh, a wonderful conversation between two wonderfully talented talented people. Go and listen to Locked On Presents. More than a game is the series that we have going on right now over at Locked On Presents. All right, so let's wrap this chat up And dive into the trade stuff because before this game, there was a lot of noise coming out about Andre Drummond, Kyle Lowry from various different sites that were dropping Monday news bombs and all that stuff. Um, And I think it's worth addressing because, look, there's a lot of rumors that are going to start flying around here. We're getting closer to trade time. We just saw the Derrick Rose trade go down. The Raptors will be able to trade their dudes in less than two weeks now or two weeks exactly, February 23rd. And that the talk is going to ramp up, especially, like I said, for a team that is in a position to add and go on a bit of a run here. There's going to be a lot of noise around the Raptors, especially, too, because they also have the sort of specter of going the other way, which I don't think is going to happen, but seems to be something people really, really want. Uh, I want to first address the Kyle Lowry thing from Bleacher Report. You know, I, I just how many times do we have to go through this Kyle Lowry trade rumors from some site that's not Woj? It's not something to worry about or really get caught up in, I don't think. you know. Uh, people say things... I don't think people just make things up or anything like that. But you have to consider the source on a lot of these things. And if you're a team out there that really wants Kyle Lowry, you're probably going to drop it out there. Like, hey, oh yeah, the Raptors looking to deal. And maybe you inspire some discord or something within the Raptors and make a trade more likely because Kyle Lowry hears, catches wind of it or whatever. You know, There's lots of reasons why this would happen. The, the thing to always remember with trade rumors, is the Raptors don't leak. They don't leak anything. The Kawhi Leonard trade was a secret until it happened. They don't leak. They don't spit out little rumors to drum up, you know, discord around the league. It's just not something they do. And there's a reason why every night on draft night, for example, you have all these insiders who are five picks ahead, and then the Raptors come up, and they go all the way down to the end of the clock. They don't leak. And so always consider that. Always consider who benefits from this rumor being out there. In the case of Kyle Lowry, it just doesn't make any sense that the Raptors would want to trade Kyle Lowry. There's just very little reasoning to it. Yes, they're 11-13. and 13. They are spinning their wheels a little bit in the middle of the conference. But if you've paid attention to the Raptors for the last seven years, this is not a team that tanks. This is a team that likes to stay good, stay relevant, stay in a position to strike. And they're a team right now at 11-13 and 13 with a plus about 2 net rating. They're better than their record, and they, of all the teams in the Eastern Conference, sort of below the top four, to me, pose the biggest threat of beating a team in the first round in that top four. Maybe they can even squeeze into the top four. They're like a game out of fourth right now, or a game out of third. It's not that far-fetched to see them climbing the standings here if they can rattle off some wins, which I think they're more than capable of doing. And... It just runs counter to the entire ethos of this franchise that they would trade down or trade Kyle Lowry so they can go down the standings. That's just not how they operate, operate. and this team is too good to tank regardless. We've been over the too good to tank conversation, but we don't need to rehash it so uh, we're blue in the face here. But this just is not how the Raptors operate. All of the reasons why Kyle Lowry is attractive to other teams out there. He's a good player who's on an expiring big contract that's going to free up a lot of money. Those are the same reasons why he's attractive to the Raptors, except you also have seven, eight years of him with the franchise baked in history to consider for as well, and the sort of mutiny that might come if he's dealt mid-season for a meager return. And guess what? The return for Kyle Lowry is going to be meager. It's going to probably involve bad money coming back because you have to match salaries, and the thing to consider here, and I think this is not being, not enough is being made of this, but all the teams in the contender class, all the teams that could benefit from a Kyle Lowry addition, they have all traded their picks into like the 2030s because of their moves for stars. The Lakers have nothing nothing left to trade. The Clippers have nothing left to trade. The Bucks have nothing left to trade. The Nets have nothing left to trade. All the best teams in the league are completely out of their. The, the, basically, they're 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 nut. Like they don't have anything left to blow on a star player like Kyle Lowry. And the return you're going to get for a guy like Lowry right now is just not. You're not getting the three picks and swaps into the future that you get for superstars under team control who are in their late 20s or early 30s. Kyle is going to be 35 next month. Like he, he's not going to demand an incredible return. And there's just so much more value in keeping him on the Raptors and having them make another playoff run and getting the seasoning for Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi in the postseason, and also potentially winning some rounds and staying relevant. Like it's There's no sense to me in trading Lowry. And then that sort of ties in to the Andre Drummond rumor, which came out yesterday from a couple different places. I think Kevin O'Connor, I tend to trust when he has his sort of finger on the pulse of scuttlebutt at least, and... You know, the the rumors are, are sort of varied. One of the suggestions was, oh, they could just swap Kyle Lowry for Andre Drummond because the salaries match, which is just so goddamn lazy. Like if the Raptors are trading for Andre Drummond, it suggests they're trading to get better and to improve themselves, not to trade. Like there's no sense in trading your best player to get an upgrade at center because then your team is worse on the whole anyway. So there's just, there's, it doesn't line up in any sort of way logically. It's just foolish and again, lazy. Oh, that match, that money matches. Oh, a four for one trade's kind of difficult. Guess what? If Andre Drummond is a Raptor, it's because a four for one trade has happened. It's Aaron Baines, it's Norm Powell, it's Stanley Johnson, it's Patrick McCaw. That's how the deal is coming together. What we talked about last week with Chris and Evan from Lockdown Cavs. A Kyle Lowry for Andre Drummond trade is just not happening. It's just a, a foolish nonsensical, never watched the Raptors, never really paid attention to how things fit on the floor, still don't understand how good Kyle Lowry is, ass take. I think Kevin O'Connor is a little bit more reasoned in what he had to say, you know, just saying, hey, Drummond's a guy who the Raptors kick tires on, which that's not surprising. The Raptors are clearly going to be in the market for centers at some point here because their centers are not very good and that it's just an easy thing, easy thing to connect the dots with. The thing with Drummond is that it's difficult, right? You know, like I said, it's got to be a four for one type deal, and that four for one is going to have to include Norman Powell. If you don't have Powell in there, you got to throw in Boucher. You probably got to throw in another couple contracts. It becomes a very difficult trade to execute because it's like a six for one, and there's just not that many roster spots in the Cavs. They can't waive everybody to make one of these trades happen. And so, I-, I think the Drummond thing is interesting. It's difficult, like I said, because of the money, and it's more difficult because of the Norm Powell factor, because Powell is kind of essential right now. His scoring is incredible. His first step is as good as it's ever been. The fact that he can finish at the rim is kind of a rare commodity on this Raptors roster right now. And I I think he's kind of played himself into being too important to this team. This isn't to say he's some untouchable, give him a max contract player type or anything like that. But in terms of the context of this team, he, I think, is a really important, cog and a big reason why they've climbed up the offensive standing so far this season because he's just been lights out in the last like three weeks now longer than that he's been awesome and so i get a little bit reticent to maybe deal powell for andre drummond who would be a substantial upgrade over on aaron baines there's no doubt about that would offer some rim protection would offer rebounding which is obviously a problem for this team too but You know, we don't know what's his motor like. Is he going to fit in and understand the Raptors' defensive schemes because it's so complex? Is he going to be content being the number five option, who's basically just there to catch lobs? Like that's another thing you have to consider here as well. And I'm not sure. (laughs) You know, if I if it was a last resort, the Raptors desperately need a center. Maybe I'd do it. But the more Norm Powell plays the way he has the less i get sure that that's something i'd pull off and i my attention starts to flip to other centers around the league. and look, there's not a ton, man. and you know, ideally you get a guy like Serge Ibaka who can shoot threes and protect the rim. that is the dream. there's just not that many guys out there who do that. and so you're looking and making concessions. do you value the defense more than you value the spacing? you know, we've clearly seen Having a spaced out big is really effective for Pascal Siakam because it clears out all that space for him, and he plays better when there's an unencumbered paint area. So, how do you factor that in? Do you need a guy who is basically defense first? You know, do you just need a solid sort of workmanlike center like a Kem Birch or something to fill in minutes and, and eat minutes up when you're not playing small? Which I think probably should be the future of this team in the most important moments. You know, it's all very difficult, but the Drummond thing. You know He's the best player you could probably go get, but also you'd have to give up the best player to get him. And that is some difficult calculus in the brain, for sure. I don't really know what the answer is. I don't know what I would do. But that is sort of the ultimate question for the Raptors front office here. And I think the next couple of weeks will be really telling. If Norm Powell continues to play like this, I think he'll quickly play himself into untouchability. And then they'll be looking at smaller deals and looking to try to match... You know, I think they can kind of cobble together like $15 million or so in salaries between Aaron Baines, Patrick McCaw, Stanley Johnson. That, to me, is sort of the the three dudes you pair together and try to make something happen with some team out there. It doesn't necessarily have to be all three, and it's obviously going to include picks being involved, maybe even a young player like a Matt Thomas or a, a Malachi Flynn even if you really want a big upgrade. But... You know, that, that's the price of doing business. You're not getting something good without giving up stuff that's good. And whether it's picks, whether it's Flynn, whether it's, you know, I guess Terrence Davis, if he's attractive some other, to some other team, why he would be, I don't know. He's terrible at basketball and he's a bad guy. But, you know, that's... Um that's all going to be part of the calculus here over the next couple weeks. We will obviously keep our eyes on the trade market, keep our eyes on potential centers out there. Probably going to do an episode at some point here where I'm going to just going to run through all of the centers that I dream of, which basically at this point is every center the Raptors come across. It's like, oh, I could use that guy on the team. Oh, I'd like that guy on the team. Oh, hell, yeah, he'd be an upgrade. I mean, the Grizzlies have three centers who are better than what the Raptors have right now in Aaron Baines. They've got uh, Jonas, they've got Gorgie Jang, who kind of on my list of dudes I'd be all right with. And then they have uh, the king, Xavier Tillman, who, it, dude, I love Flynn. Flynn might be good. I really wish the Raptors had taken Tillman in the first round. He's really awesome. He's so good. It's a bummer. Anyway, I don't need to get sad about Xavier Tillman again. I've done that plenty of times on this podcast. That's going to do it, I think, for today's episode. I think I've run through all of the stuff and sort of vomited all of my thoughts on this one. A nice win. A really, really nice win for the Raptors. Not their best win of the season, I don't think, but uh, kind of up there on the short list just based on the circumstances without having Kyle, with with Nick Nurse not being uh, on the bench to close the game, the way they kind of stormed back and did it in vintage Raptors fashion, Pretty nice win overall and sets them on track to get close to 500 by the end of the week. They have the Wizards coming up on Wednesday. That feels like it's guaranteed win night. The Wizards suck. Uh, the Celtics who are kind of, you know, they're, they're middling right now. They're not far ahead of the Raptors in the standings and they are kind of banged up, and so there's a potential win there. And then I think they play the Wolves on Sunday. That's a highly winnable game as well. We could be talking about a you know 14 and 14, 13 and 14 team by Sunday. 14 and 13, maybe. Maybe they win all these games. You know that they they look pretty good right now. It's pretty comforting to see. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe to, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And also, please go and check out the Locked On Presents special with Erica Ayala and Candice Cooper talking about the experiences of black women in sports, and sports media in particular. A really, really excellent and enlightening conversation. So go and listen over there and support Erica and Candice, who are absolutely fantastic. Uh, That'll do it again for today's show. Before we go, just a reminder that today's show was brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana. 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings and they are now available at bluenile.com exclusively. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond diamond rings is available now at bluenile.com. So please go and support our sponsors. It's very appreciated. You are very appreciated as the listener and we'll talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Have a good day everybody.